Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... When it's self-esteem, when it's, when it's all about loving yourself, how do you feel about yourself when you have a bad week? Eh, not so good. How do you feel you, about yourself when maybe you don't look as good as you want to? No, 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 no. You know, like you step on the scale. Oh, I gained two pounds. What am I going to do? Crisis, crisis. But when your identity is in Christ, you know God loves you all the time. You make a mistake. You sin. Whatever it is, you just say to the Lord, well, Lord, you know, I thank you for the blood of Jesus. And thank you that you still love me no matter what I do. One of the things the scripture does is teach us many things that we did not know about ourselves. These are the things that only God knows about us until he tells us. Although some of those things may be hard to hear at first, if we allow it, our hearts and minds can be opened to the kingdom of heaven. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul teaches us what the spiritual state of people is before they meet God. He teaches us that we must be made spiritually alive by God if we are going to go to heaven. While this may shock us, the Apostle shows us the glorious grace offered to us in the person of Jesus Christ. To learn more, here's Pastor Jim. How many of you like roller coasters? Raise your hand nice and high. Wow, look at that, look at that, like roller coasters. I can't stand them. How many of you like the roller coaster of life? See, now that I love. (laughs) You're like, you're weirder than we thought, Jim. Tonight, we are going to get on a spiritual roller coaster. We are going to move from the most dreadful of news to the most wonderful of news, the best news ever. The Apostle Paul is going to explain to us here in Ephesians 2 the natural spiritual condition of men and women, and then what happens when the grace of God intervenes. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, well, first off, if you're not, we're glad that you're here. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, this section should be a massive pride killer for you. Absolutely massive. And it should show us that all people who are followers of Jesus, who we were until the wonderful grace and mercy of God intervened. In some ways, the Apostle Paul seems to be unpacking chapter 1, where he told us that followers of Jesus were adopted by the Father, redeemed or bought by the Son, and sealed with the Holy Spirit. You remember what we kept going over and over that one night? We heard, we believed, and we were sealed. He forgot already. Then he prayed that all followers, at the end of chapter 1, all followers of Jesus would be empowered by the Holy Spirit to know God much more deeply and to know him much more better and to experience his hope, which is the certainty of God's power at work, both now and forever in the lives of the people of God. Tonight, the Apostle Paul explains how you go to heaven. And it's going to be really simple, uh, at some points offensive, But it's going to be very simple in how someone goes to heaven. And what happens is they must be brought from spiritual death to spiritual life. 
by the grace of God and the power of God. It sounds good, and it is. It's actually glorious, but it requires of all of us an honest spiritual diagnosis of our sinful nature, and that is not easy in a world that really doesn't believe in sin. So the apostle begins by telling us something very difficult for Americans to believe. Hard to believe he didn't have us in mind when he was writing the Bible. That we are actually all born spiritually dead to God. We have that? We're all born spiritually dead to God. You say, I don't believe that? Well, I'm just reading it and what he says. Verse 1, and you, talking to you, follower of Jesus in Ephesus, part of the Ephesian church, follower of Jesus in New Jersey or wherever you, if you're listening on the radio, wherever you are, Iowa, Texas, Reno, Nevada, wherever, and you, he made alive who were dead in trespass and sins. Now, if you notice in the New King James Version that I'm reading, Yav, it says he made alive is in italics. When it's in italics, that means it's small italics, means it's an Old Testament quote. Large italics means that it is added by the translators uh, to help us understand it better. So let's, let's look at what it says without the italics. And you who were dead in trespass and sins. And so here the Apostle Paul has the emphasis on deadness, and he's referencing the spiritual deadness of men and women without God. And that's pretty brutal. You were dead. You were dead. Now, not dying, and a lot of people want to argue, what does dead mean? Is he using a metaphor? Is he talking an actual thing? I would say actual thing, but not dying, but not longing for God. Spiritually dead unable to bring ourselves to spiritual life in need of resurrection. Now, he's not talking about the future. He's not saying, hey, someday you're going to die, and then you'll be made alive. He's talking about the past and you who were dead. That He's talking to Christians, followers of Jesus. That was our past We were dead. We were born this way, spiritually dead to God. Now, I realize that this angers some people. And maybe tonight, again, if you're not a Christian, you're like, what in the world is this weirdo talking about? It doesn't make any sense in the world. And I'm hopeful, hopefully, it's going to begin to make so much sense that at the end of tonight, you'll say, you know what? I want life. I don't want to be dead anymore. And here's the reality. We say this many times. If you're sick, do you want the doctor to tell you the truth or do you want the doctor to lie to you? Some of you don't seem so sure. (laughs) So he says we're dead in trespass and sins. What are are trespasses? Well, you know that sign that says do not trespass? Did you ever see that? Like on some dirt road? You had no desire to go down that road at all, at all, until you saw that no trespassing sign. A couple years back, we were in Martha's Vineyard when President Obama was there, and a lot of rich people live in Martha's Vineyard. We're on this tour bus, and there was all these signs that said, no trespassing. And everybody kept going, I wonder if that's where he is. I wonder if that's where he is. I wonder if that's where he is. And then, rocket scientist that I am, I said, I think it's that driveway, the one with the soldiers and the tanks and the machine guns. (laughs) But we see a no trespassing sign, 
and we just want to go by it. So trespasses are acts of sins. Acts of sins. Sins here, I think, actually refers, the way he uses it here, is our actual condition that we are people that are born helpless in our sinful condition and in need of rescue. And we might say that followers of Jesus are now like other people, which he's going to talk about in verse 3, spiritually dead. Maybe we'll think of it this way committing sins in our sinful state, which those of you who've raised little kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, first couple of words, no, mine, right? Just completely self-centered. I, yesterday I was with my little grandson, little precious little guy, five, six months years old, and uh, five months old, and, you know, he was fine till I started eating, and I'm like, what are you so upset about? He's like, you're not going to eat and not feed me. And I'm just like, oh, you little sinner, you. <laughs> and, and perhaps the biggest failing that we have is to give God the worship that he deserves. To give God the place in our lives that he deserves. We, we appeal to or we look for God's substitutes and you know the God substitute question. You always say, I would be happy if I had blank. And that's it. If you think that one thing would make you happy, but unfortunately, most of the things that we think would make us happy are just temporary, whereas God is pointing us to an eternal happiness. Now, this, this really lets us know and explains why we shouldn't be surprised when the world, and we're going to talk about the world in a, in a bit, the world tells us the exact opposite. What, what does the world tell us? We have to believe in ourselves. And you know, listen, if you're good at something, there's nothing wrong in, in being confident in that. You know, it's not, that, that's fine. But the world is obsessed with ourselves, of our, our own self-worth and our own being good, etc. Um, now, before you think, oh my gosh, he hates everybody in the world, it is 100% true that spiritually dead people have done amazing things in this world and will continue to do amazing things in this world. And some of them will be some of the nicest people you will ever meet in this world. Um, And why is that? Because we're told in the scripture that we're all created in the image of God. And to me, when I think of that, that gives me an occasion for great hope that within all people, even though some people work very, very hard to suppress it, and we probably don't know too many people like that, but within all people, God has planted something of himself. There's something of himself in everyone. And maybe, uh, just a thought for you younger people, and you decide if you're younger or not, uh, when you're talking to other younger people, you decide if they're younger or not. Maybe, maybe a better place to start than, well, you're just a sinner and you're going to hell, you better repent, which, you know, might have worked in the 1950s, but not doing so good for us right now. Maybe that's a better place to start. Instead of starting with people saying that they're a sinner, calling, calling attention to the fact that you're actually created in the image of God and there is something of God that is, that is pre-programmed within you, and because sin has become a foreign concept to most people. So, 
we were born dead. You who were dead in trespass and sins. Verse 2, which you once walked, and when the Bible talks about walking, it talks about the way we live. We'll talk more about that in a second. According to, now, very interesting terminology there. It really has to do with according to what you followed or what you were mastered by. So he says, you once walked, you were dead, you once walked, you once followed. He's going to give us three things we once followed or we were once mastered by. Uh, The first one is the course of this world. We might just say the cultural values, which are constantly changing. And so the course of this world, uh, according to the prince, uh, the second one, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And that is the fellow we know by the name of Satan. Verse 3, among whom also, oh no, we, we can't just blame those two. We all once conducted ourselves in the third thing is the lust of our flesh. So if we thought, oh my gosh, I can just blame all of my, you know how we let people like to blame all their problems on someone else? Uh, I, you know, I, I can blame all my problems on the world and the devil, but he says, no, part of the problem is the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, God's wrath, just as the others. So the term walked, he said, you once walked this way. If you were a follower of Jesus, you once walked this way, you once lived this way, pertains to the way the word walk pertains to the way people live their lives. And I would say also what we do with our lives while we are in this world. See, what we do with our lives is very, very important. And, and when we talk about walking, it's very important for us that we, we bank that thought. It's a, it's a term that, that will be used a lot in chapter 4 and 5. Um, and since spiritually dead people have been made alive, we are then to walk differently than the spiritually dead than when we were spiritually dead. But not only live differently, it, you know, we, sometimes we kind of force ourselves and when in doubt, you know, it's always good to do the right thing, but, but we have different priorities. And not only do we have different priorities, we become very, very careful about who we follow. And Jesus is going to warn the disciples about that this weekend in Matthew's gospel. Be very careful of the religious leader, he's saying. They, they, they think they're on the right path, but they are not on the right path at all. And so before any of us followed Jesus, we followed what has been called by some the Trinity of the Tyrants. Sounds like a movie, right? The Trinity of the Tyrants. And we followed this Trinity of the Tyrants, the world, the devil, and the flesh. Now, we call it the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's almost, I don't know why we changed the order, but the apostles' order is the world, the devil, and the flesh. And some people would say, man, this is like totally negative, man. Like, why is he being so negative? I want positive and uplifting, like my bumper sticker says. (laughs) A few of you know what I'm talking about. Well, here's the deal. If he's not negative and truthful about the bad news, we will never sense our urgency for Jesus Christ. That's why he has to be so direct. We will never see these forces at work if the Holy Spirit doesn't point them out to us 
in the word of God. Why? Because not only are these forces very powerful, but they tend to be very subtle. It's, a, it's, a, it's, not, a, it's not a, usually a full frontal attack. It's more of a, a subtle type thing. Like I always say about Satan, he's, he's not a, he's not, doesn't come to the front door and doesn't meet the greeters. Oh, welcome to Calvary Chapel. What's your name? Oh, my name is Beelzebub. Really? Are, are, are you from the area? Oh, yes, I'm from the area. How did you hear about our church? I heard it's going well, so I've come here to ruin everything. Oh, great. Thanks for coming. Do you want to meet our pastor? No, he doesn't. Okay. No, no, no. He's a terrorist. He comes in through the roof. He, co- he comes in subtly. And so, and so if, if the apostle Paul doesn't tell us these things, if the spirit of God doesn't lead him to write these things, we will be so caught off guard. And if you don't think you're going to be caught off guard by these things, then you are terribly, terribly prideful. So he, so he begins with the world. Now, the world is not the, not the planet. It refers to the influences and values of the age that are contrary to the word of God. So if your friend tells you, you know, you're very worldly, don't be like, oh, they think I'm a Renaissance man. That's not what he's talking about. They think that you are living a life that is contrary to the word of God. Now, here's the tricky part about the world. The world changes from one location to another and from one generation to another. The world is always on the move, adapting to what it needs to do to get people away from the things of God. And these days, it's just on it's just like a drag race down the road it, because of technology. Uh, the culture is changing very, very quickly. We might call it the external cultural pressures. So you, you know some of them. I guess, I guess in the old days, which was probably like three years ago, um, it, it, was, it was choosing your family over Christ. Now, the Bible says that family is very, very important. And we're going to learn about family later on as we go through the book of Ephesians. But, but we are to choose nothing. Remember, Jesus said you have to hate your mother, your brother, your sister. But it's not you're supposed to literally hate them. It's, it is your love for Jesus is to make the others. Your, it's a comparative love. Your love for Jesus would make it almost look like you hate everyone else. Um, we're supposed to strive for a great career. That's a big cultural pressure. Now, we don't live too far from New York City. So we have uh, a lot of you here are, are doing the commute thing, and you're, you know, you're trying to make it there because you, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And so you're, you're, just, you're just trying, and some of you are like eventually like, I need a job in New Jersey. I can't take this commute anymore. And uh, I remember my, my father, we lived on Long Island, and he'd be like, oh, that railroad. And, and so people, you know, you have to have a great career. You have to make a lot of money. That's a... That's a, that's a external cultural pressure that is on a lot of people. Um, Another one is now that you see is very big is looking good, looking good. I feel so bad for women every time I go to the store and I'm at the checkout counter and I'm just like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Just, just, Just every magazine, every single one of them. It's like, when can you just have somebody who looks normal on there? Every once in a while one pops up, but it's just, it's just, yeah, it's out of control. Another one that's big in the spiritual realm today is choosing your own way to God. Like God is sort of like a buffet. 
I'll take this God, but not that God, and this God, and not that God. And we all like the God who lets us do whatever we want and is just amazingly tolerant of that. He doesn't really care. Um, Did any of you who raised your kids, did you let them do whatever they wanted to do? Did you? Because if you do, their spouse calls them a spoiled brat today. Thank you very much. We, we can't do that. We can't do that. Another one is, and we have to be really careful here because I know a lot of people are into self-hatred, but very big today is self-loving over God-loving. And this is something we need to be very, very careful of because God calls us to not necessarily good self-esteem, but a, but a proper identity. And it is a proper identity in Jesus Christ. Now, let me, before you say, oh, I don't know if I like that. Oh, you love it. You just don't know it. When it's self-esteem, when it's, when it's all about loving yourself, how do you feel about yourself when you have a bad week? Eh, not so good. How do you feel you, about yourself when maybe you don't look as good as you want to? No, 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 no. You know, like you step on the scale. Oh, I gained two pounds. What am I going to do? Crisis, crisis. But when your identity is in Christ, you know God loves you all the time. You make a mistake, you sin, whatever it is, you just say to the Lord, well, Lord, you know, thank you for the blood of Jesus. And thank you that you still love me no matter what I do. And that will give you great confidence in his love for you. See, our self-love, just like self-hatred, it just, it goes up and down and up and down and up and down and Someday you're, you love the guy in the mirror, another day you hate the guy in the mirror, and most mornings you're just like, is that me? <laughs> like, my, why is my nose on the side of my face when I wake up in the morning? But God's love is consistent. Uh, today we see the rise of, of secular atheism. Um, it's interesting that, that things that years ago, people who had biblical values would say, well, that's sin. Now the world tells us those things are normal. And it's the things of God that are bizarre. So your friends, again, young, a lot of young people, even, the, even older people, like, they're like, you really believe that stuff? Like, like what, what kind of a crazy person are you? But, but culture changes. What, what is okay today may or may not be tomorrow. And again, this affects us all. And if we don't think that it does, it's possible that we're far more blinded than, and entrenched than we really think that we are. Because it, it, it affects us all, unless you just live in your house and you never get out and you only come to church on Wednesday nights for free dinner. All right, the next person in the uh, trilogy here is the prince of the power of the air, Satan. Now, Satan is more prominent. Now, he's not really that prominent in the Bible, uh, although uh, some parts of the church say that's all they talk about. <laughs> like, where's Jesus, man? Why are we talking about Satan all the time? Uh, some churches talk about the Satan more than, than, than the Satan church talks about Satan. <laughs> but Satan is more prominent in the book of Ephesians than any other New Testament book. And many people will tell you, I don't believe in the devil. I don't believe in evil. I don't believe in such things until we see great evil in the world. And then it is amazing how many people who really don't even believe in God, yet who say, oh my God, um, (laughs) how many people who don't believe in God 
will tell you that they actually believe in the forces of evil. In 2 Corinthians 4, Satan is called by the Apostle Paul the God of this age. And so he is the prince of the power of the air. Uh, That means that he lives in the unseen realm. That's it for today with pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the Word of God is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you've heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions you may have, and let us know how Change by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven, how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible-teaching church in your area, or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember, friends, we are here to serve you and to help you, so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the kingdom of God works, and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to contact Pastor Jim and the team here at Change by Love. All of our contact information is on our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us by writing us a card or a letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus, and we know that you too will be changed by His love.